Welcome. This is Pastor Danny with Word of Faith Family Church in beautiful Lander, Wyoming. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I pray you will be energized and strengthened as you listen to God's Word. Because we live on this place called planet Earth. The people that you hang with will determine the uh, 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 have a big part in determining the success in your life. If you don't like where you're at, one of the things you may want to look at is who you're hanging with and your surroundings. And you may have to make some decisions to you say, well, you mean I'm going to have to defriend somebody? Well, it happens on Facebook all the time, right? So <laughs> real life, you know. <laughs> No, it's, it's important success breeds success. You've got to have people that's, that, that's helping to pull you to where you want to go instead of pulling you down, instead of sack, sucking the very life out of you. Hallelujah. And that's for more than just Eric and Denise, but I'm telling you, uh, Sometimes you've got to make some of those changes, regardless of what it costs financially or what it looks like in the natural. In other words, and then the important thing is not only, you know, separating yourself from whatever that is, that influence is pulling you down, but, but surrounding yourself with people and a, 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 an element that, that causes you to go higher. You know, Man, I mean, keep the, the praise and worship going. Get you some good uh, uh, worship during the day. Make the time to get into the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what gives us life. It's what we feed off of. You can be just as healthy as a horse on the outside, physically, and be emaciated and weak spiritually on the inside. If you're not feeding your spirit man. Even Brother Hagin said uh, many people feed themselves three warm meals every day but give their spirit man one cold snack a week. And you have no, I mean all you're doing is surviving. You have no strength to fight off whatever the enemy would come along. You and I live in a world that the enemy, uh, uh, there's a real battle going on right here. Hallelujah. I've done this before, but it's, it, it, it bears worth repeating. Put your hand up. You remember this. We've done this before. Put a little pressure against me. So, so I'm having to maintain the amount of pressure she's putting right here. I have to push a little bit, push a little harder. Now, if I, if I let off, she overcomes. Now, she's going to take the place. Now, you don't have to push too hard. Just keep a little pressure. Keep a little proud. I don't want you to wear out. I want you to go for the long haul here. Okay? We're not sprinting here. We're, we're going for a longer haul here. But a little, little bit more. Little, you can handle that. So, so she's representing the world, the pressures that's in the world. And I'm living in life as a believer, as a Christian in life. In this world, you're going to have trouble, the Bible says, right? You're going to have pressure. You're going to feel that pressure that she's putting on me. But now what I, what I do, the, the pressure is going to be relentless from the world, from around you, because we live in a fallen world. 
and, and we, we can't do anything about that because Satan's the god of this world, right? But how I respond to that is what makes the difference. Now, if I just, I can just maintain in life, just like I'm doing right now, just with pressure alone. <laughs> Shall I pick someone else? No, I got it. Aren't you a Mary Kay girl? Now's your time to shine. I'm doing okay. it. <laughs> oh, it's not just about looking pretty, sister. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Strong. I know. I okay. Like so, I'm <laughs> just giving her a hard time. She hasn't had one for a while. So, Nick never does. So, anyway. But So this is the pressure of the world, and I'm having to hold some pressure just to offset that. But now what happens if, if the world or the enemy ramps up the pressure? Okay, Now push it now. To maintain that, I've got to at least put that amount of pressure to maintain. Come on, you can do this. You got this. <laughs> but now the more that I stay in the Word of God, the more I keep myself built up, the joy of the Lord's my strength, it's no problem to overcome. It's no problem, no matter what pressure the enemy puts on, it's no problem to push, not only, but we're not to maintain, we're to overcome. Thank you. You did good. Okay, I should have got down here. So I, I did that to show you the illustration. There's pressures in this word. You're going you're gonna to have them. You turn around the pressure, but what do you do with them? And so I ask you this, are you just maintaining or are you overcoming? And so some the, sometimes the, the, uh, the, the atmosphere that we live in and the people to whom we associate with sometimes has a big part on whether how much pressure we're keeping on the things of the world. And you're trying to do your best to live a godly life and all of a sudden you have influence around you that's otherwise. I mean, uh, uh, you know, and... and, and, and it's, it's amazing how that we, if we're not careful, we get accustomed to living in that, in that sphere. And it's like, well, it's no big deal. I'm okay. But you're not the one on the outside looking in. It's amazing how that people that has lived in pain for much of their life, I've, I've went to pray for people before, and they pretty much said, oh, it's tolerable. Well, why tolerate something that Jesus died for, that Jesus took care of? Let's just get rid of it completely so you can go on and put your attention on other things. But it's amazing how we tolerate poverty. We tolerate lack. We tolerate sickness. We tolerate living in, 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 in strife and in things. And some people think that's normal. Folks, that's not normal. Not as a believer, you and I. God loves us. He died for us. He paid a great price so that you and I could live in victory right here on the nasty planet Earth. Hallelujah. And so we have a part to play in that. Amen. I said we have a part to play. But there's things that we've got to do. There's things that just like that song we sang about, the resurrection life, the resurrection power living in us, there's, there's, there's choices that we have to make. There's things that we have to do in the midst of a, a dark world. But we can live victorious in the middle of it because of what Jesus provided for us. So regardless of where you're at in your life, I'm telling you, God's provided much better. Don't, satis don't be satisfied and don't settle for what the situation is right now because God loves you more than the devil hates you, praise God, and he has good plans for your life. But how many of you know it's up to us is how much we invest in, how much we put in, how much we decide to say, Lord, 
I just want to have all that you can have. Which brings us to this message, a passion that we have going on right now. And we've been talking about our passion for God. How, how strong is our passion for God? We know that it's, it's relationship-based. It's not religion-based. We don't get into that. We're, we're, we thank God God delivered us from religion, from man's laws and rules. But the relationship is what is paramount. It's so important, our relationship with God. How close are you to the Heavenly Father? How close is you? Do you have a relationship that you talk to Him every day? Do you say, good morning, God, Father, good morning, Son, good morning, Holy Spirit? What's happening today? Praise God. Let Him speak to you. People, don't go getting religious. Oh, dear God. What's... God knows your hearts. Be real with Him. Some people are free of, to talking to one another, but when it comes to talking to God, they get religious. Stop it. God loves you. He's your Father. Hallelujah. He wants to communicate with you. He wants you to crawl up on His lap, praise God. And he wants to wrap His arms around you and, and love on you and speak to you, praise God. He wants you to talk to Him and Him talk back. It's not a one-way conversation. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's, re, so it's relationship-based. How much do we want from God? How much do we, uh, where do we want to live in life? How, how do we want to experience the goodness of God? I still always think about when you go into Nebraska, the good life, it says on the sign. You ever notice that? Go through, nobody's ever went through Nebraska? Well, that's all right. Just a lot of cornfields, but still, it's worth going there just to see on the sign, the good life. Praise God. God wants you to have the good life. I'm not, I didn't ask you where you're at at the moment or what you've went through in the past because God will take you higher than you've ever been before. And God wants a change in your life, but what, what are you and I doing to allow that to happen? Are we setting ourselves up for success or are we setting ourselves up for failure? Well, I can stop right there. That's a, that's a good sea uh, law moment. Pause and ponder. By what we do, by what goes on around us, by what how what we immerse ourselves in. I remember going to Raymond. I'm, I know you guys experienced that too. But when you're going to school every day, five days a week, and then the six days you're studying, and the seventh day you're in church, you're immersed in the Word of God. On a, all year long. It changes things about you. You begin to, you're, by immersion, there's a principle to that, that you become what you're immersed in. And by immersion, you, you really get, that's why if you take a, ever, anybody ever took a crash course in something that's just pounded into you in a short time? It was like, oh, you come out and your head's spinning. Well, that's kind of the way, kind of at Rhema it was, by going to school and then you have your homework to do too and everything and your hours a day, you're immersed in the Word of God and it begins to change your way of thinking. It begins to change your, your actions, your, the way you talk, uh, everything about you. And it begins to really, it begins to come alive on the inside and bless God, there's nothing impossible. You really begin to get a hold of that, Right? And it's, it's incredible, unless if you've never experienced it before, I can tell you, it's amazing. It's incredible. 
Well, guess what? We're immersed in this world, in this world system. Around us, many hours out of the day. So it's no, it would would make sense that we become like the world if we're constantly around that. But how many of you know we can do something about that? You can't do something about, you know, being here on planet Earth, but you can, uh, uh, you and I can do something about what we allow in, what we, you know, whether we create a bubble and live in a bubble in the midst of, because the Bible says we're in this world but not of the world system. It's a choice that we make. It's whether we allow, whether we participate in what the world is presenting or whether we put against that pressure and say, no, you don't, not in my family, not in my household, not in my ears, not in my eyes. It's a choice. And when we make that choice, it really begins to affect how we, uh, how we uh, conduct our life, how we, what causes us to, uh, you know, to function, how we're, what, on what level we're going to function. Hallelujah. So we know the Scripture has much to say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. Some of you say, no, no, I'm good. God's not. Your father's not. He's not good with it. He wants much more. Hallelujah. He wants much more in your life, in my life. But we, it's up to us whether we're going to cooperate with him in it or not. Some people refuse to pay the price. Oh, no, that's too hard. No, that takes too much time. Turn, uh, let's look at something here real quick. Turn your Bible, if you would, to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Something that Paul wrote over there. I want to show you, just show you something. And, and, and this is really not the direction, but we're speaking about passion here. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read this out of the uh, Passion Translation, obviously. Do you know that Passion Translation has a lot to say about passion? I was telling Pastor Nancy last night, holy cow, I know it's no insight to you, but I know why they call it the Passion Translation. They use that word passion and passion at every opportunity they get. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of verses, they use the word passion in there for something that Scripture was referring to. And I like it because we should be about passion in the right sense. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 26. He says, but don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. Not even a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. If any one of you who stole from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living, and then you'll have enough to bless those in need. 
And never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace and help them. Hallelujah. But he starts off by saying, don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Well, we know that sin means simply to miss the mark, right? It means to miss the mark in something. It's an archery term. Well, our, our goal should always be, I don't want to miss the mark. I don't want to even be on the outer side of the mark. I want to be a bullseye. And it takes practice, practice, practice. The more practice you do, the more accurate you'll get. Do you hear the message in that? The more practice of the Word of God, more practice walking close to God, the more accurate, the more further away, because the closer you are are to the bullseye, the further you are away from missing the mark or sin. Somebody needs to say amen or oh me or something. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's something that we have to strive to do. Nobody else can make us do that. It's a choice that we make. I'm going to do it. So what's that look like? What's What's it take to do that? Well, it takes refraining from evil. Some of the things it's said here to do. Get your, keep your emotions in check. Hallelujah. Did you know that God gave us emotions? Emotions are good, but it's something that we have to keep in check. It's something that we have to stay on. Just like this flesh is, you know, something of the flesh. Emotions is a part of our soulish realm, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Everybody knows the three-part being we are, right? I am a what? I have a, and I live in a spirit, soul, and body. And so our soul made up of three parts, our mind, our will, and our emotions, God gave us that, emotions are good, but emotions left unchecked will take us down or lead us down a wrong path. We never want our, we know that our flesh is enmity, the Bible says, against God, or butts heads with God. If you don't believe it, how excited was you about jumping up, getting out of bed, and coming to church this morning? Don't answer that question. Some of you said, oh, yeah, I really look forward to it. But yet our flesh at any given moment can just turn opposite on us and say, no, I don't want to do that. And then what happens if, if the Spirit of God impresses you to do something, to go to somebody's house or to make a phone call or to bless somebody with something, do something, and all of a sudden your flesh says, nah, I don't want to do that. That takes me out of my comfort zone. I don't want to. It's enmity against God. You can never, ever get your flesh trained. So don't ever let the pressure off on your flesh. Because it will come up with something. And I, we, would be, we would be amazed if we looked inside of everybody's brain during this service of what we thought about while service was going on. It would probably be pretty embarrassing especially if they was all flashed up on the screen. <laughs> but that's why we got to grab a hold of our thoughts. And the Bible talks about bringing every thought into the captivity into the obedience of Christ, something we have to do. So our thoughts 
are not. But how many of you know, so I've got to get ahead of myself, we know the flesh, we can't get it trained. But our flesh, our, 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 our mind, which is part of our spirit, I mean, as part of our soulish realm, mind, will, and emotions. Our mind, the Bible talks about transforming our mind or transforming our thinking process. Okay? So the process of our mind, of the thoughts that it comes up with, it's, it's, it, it's those thoughts that come, things on your mind uh, um, is, is reference-oriented. We was talking about this the other day. It's kind of like the little saying you've heard, how, how, how do you explain to an Eskimo what a tree looks like if they've never seen one? Unless you have some concept to go down. If you ever, somebody picked up the phone and answered, answered uh, you, and immediately you derive what that person looked like by the sound of their voice. Where did that come from? It come, I can tell you where it come from, it come by, by somebody else's voice that sounded similar to them. And you know what they look like, or some kind of a thought entered in to give you. And then when you met them, it's like, oh, you don't even look a bit like I thought. You ever done that? Or how we derive at things is based off of information that we've gotten somewhere down along the line. And so our thoughts is going to work off of that same manner. So to transform our thinking, transform our mind, has to be, we have to, if we get into the Word of God and see how we're supposed to think, then it begins to give us a baseline of, to begin to think that way and begin to train our thinking that way. So, booyah, praise God, we get our thoughts coming on board a little bit. What about our, our emotions? How many of you know that... Uh, uh, the Bible talks about that we're supposed to have a sound mind and we have to have sound emotions. That our emotions are to prosper. That we're to prosper in all things, including our emotions, to prosper. Well, how do you get our emotions is something that's, that uh, uh, rises and falls based upon what's going on around us. Well, how do we begin to affect that? The Word of God begins to affect that. It begins to pay. Uh, our mind and our emotions, they go, they work together by pictures. You can think on something, talk to an actor, actor or actress that has to play a certain part. They have to visualize being in that position and they emotionally become uh, 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 operating in that arena. If you've ever worked in those areas, uh, you wonder why, that how that actor or actresses can come up with crying and, and, and different types of emotions. They have to see themselves in that to the point that they actually visualize themselves of being there. I mean, we, we talk and we paint pictures, and it creates, it creates emotions to work. Emotions are powerful and strong. And so it's very important that we paint the right pictures so emotionally we'll be stable and strong. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm part of the royal family of God. What kind of pictures is that painting? I can't do anything. Do you see Eeyore in that? No. You begin to see somebody that's doing well. Amen. Prospering. The more that you do that, it begins to affect your emotions. Praise God, I feel like doing something. 
Hallelujah. Let's go do something, praise God. Well, how do you get to that place to, to produce actions on that? How does it begin to affect your emotions? You're not, you and I are not supposed to suppress our emotions, but we get our emotions in check. I don't know about you, but I love it when somebody gets excited. I love it when Ayla gets to shouting and glory to God. Yeah, glory to God. It gets me going a little bit. Yeah, I like that. I'll stay away from you if you're going, oh, yeah, praise God. Oh, isn't God good? I'm probably not going to be hanging up, butting up with you. I want to go rub shoulders with somebody that's, amen, stirring ourselves up in that. Well, how many of you know it doesn't just happen? There's an effort to that, to do that. And then the third part of that being our will, our will to choose. I choose to do what's right. I choose to go higher with God. I choose to put God first in everything. I choose to read my Bible. I choose to spend time in the Word of God. I choose to spend time worshiping God. Hallelujah. And in choosing that, it begins to affect our thinking, which it begins to in turn affect our emotions. Hallelujah. Or if we begin to Think on the right things. It begins to affect our emotions, and it affects our choosing. See how they all are intertwined together. You can't say one makes you do all the others. They work together. And so God wants us to be of a strong soul, praise God. We should be passionate in how we, uh, how we, we serve God in, in our actions, in our thoughts, in our choices we make. We're to represent God. Amen? Because the Bible says we're a peculiar people. We're not peculiar because I just want to be peculiar. Danielle, I'm a Christian. How do I be peculiar? No. By serving God, by being that person that we're supposed to be, in turn we become peculiar. We're not trying to be somebody. We are somebody, and it's producing an attribute. Peculiar to what? Peculiar to the way people handle things, the way they think about things, the way they engage with things, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I don't think there's a one of us that are concerned or, or, or know or dispute the fact that we're supposed to be passionate about God in every part of our being, in every part of our life. But how many of you know that God's passionate about us? I said, God is passionately in love with you and I. Hallelujah. We said we know that one of the terms, one of the descriptions for passion is an intense, overwhelming desire. I went and got out my 1828 uh, uh, edition of Noah Webster's. And uh, if you don't have you one of these, you might want to get one electronically. But try, you know, defending yourself with your phone. <coughs> this works better. <laughs> yeah, you can kill somebody with one of those, I said. Okay. I'm not telling you to kill somebody, believe me. I'm just saying you can defend yourself. How's that? Okay. Okay. So Noah Webster says this. The feeling of the mind... 
of the sensible effect of impression. Excitement uh, of mind. As desire, um, different things can go into that. Fear, hope, joy. Even grief can be one of them. Love. Um, the eloquence of the or, uh, orator uh, is employed to move the passions. If an orator is not passionate, how is he going to move people? We've found out, we've discovered, especially even maybe more so even recently, how people are really moved with passion. A good speaker is passionate. What do we say? Man, they were passionate about that. I, uh, our uh, uh, tour guide that we had, uh, Philip, on our trip to Israel, in Israel, he was very passionate about the land of Israel. I mean, he just sucked you in. It was just like, wow. I wish I knew a fraction of what he knew. And it was just so, and you could ask him any question, and I mean, you know, he'd have an answer, a good answer. And no, well, I don't think about it. I mean, it was instant. He knew. And it made it so good because you could actually see everything he was talking about. As a matter of fact, when our last dinner together that was there, I told Philip in front of everybody, I said, Philip, I want to thank you for everything that you did on this trip. He was with us the full uh, eight, nine days we were there. I said, what makes it special is you're very passionate about this land. He kind of bowed his head and kind of nodded. Yeah. He knows and he knew he's passionate and he's thankful to be passionate about it. And so passion is something that will move as an orator. If you're uh, uh, passionate, you're going to move people. You're going to be able to, because they can see it, you're painting pictures. You're taking them someplace, right? Because you're passionate about it. People say, yeah, I see that, that you are. I can tell. Can you, can you spot a flake? Can you spot a dud that you know he's, what, why? Why can you spot it? Because usually he's not passionate. Uh, he's trying to come up with something or whatever. But somebody that really knows their stuff or whatever, it's almost like they're, you're, you're living it through them, Okay? So, uh, and then this, uh, it's expressive, strong emotion, animated even, animated, to affect with passion, to express passionately. This is how we're supposed to live our life. Well, we know that, like I said, we know that we're supposed to be passionate about God, but what about God being us, passionate about us? Let's go to... Uh, Let's look at, uh, oh, let's look at a couple of them about us. Yep, I, I know I'm running out of time here. Can you give me just a little bit? Thank you. I'll take that. That was, that was at least a 10 or 15 minute. Yep. Can I have a 30 minute? Yep. <laughs> okay, Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at that real quick. You know this verse, but I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, verse 13. Philippians 2.13 says this, um, God will continually revitalize you 
implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. I like that. God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. How is he going to continue to revitalize you? You've got to present yourself to him. You've got to go before him. You've got to read the word of God. You've got to study. You've got to worship him. You've got to, it, remember I said it's a relationship-based, right? And out of that relationship, what happens? Implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. You gain his heart, right? Now let's look at real quick, let's go to Psalms. Uh, let's go to Psalms chapter uh, 119. Psalms 119, and uh, let's look at verse 47. 119.47 says this, My passion and delight is in your word, for I love what you say to me. Is that good? My passion and delight is in your word, for I love what you say to me. Psalms 119.47. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians. Back to the New Testament again. Ver, uh, chapter 5. And uh, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to Him. Our life's passion. What's your life's passion look like? Are you truly, whether we live or die, are you making it your life's passion to live your life pleasing to him? Hallelujah. Good stuff, right? Now, let's take just a little turn here. Let's go back to uh, uh, Psalms and look, let's look at one, 116. Psalms 116. I'll let you go here pretty quick. Psalms 116. And let's read verse 5. So we're talking about, well, let's just read it. One, 116.5, Passion says, He was so kind, so gracious to me because of his passion towards me. He made everything right and he restored me. Now we're talking about God's passion, the Father's passion towards us. We're, we're talking about uh, how, how much... Uh, uh, in verse 4, he says, I cried out to the Lord, God, come and save me. It says, he was so kind, so gracious to me because of his passion towards me. I'm telling you, your father is very passionate to you. Hallelujah. All right, now let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and um, look at uh, chapter 11. And we're going to look in verse 2. You need to know, 2 Corinthians eleven two. 2, you need to know that God's passion is burning inside of me for you because like a loving father, I have pledged your hands in, in marriage to Christ, your true bridegroom. I've also promised that I would present his fiancée to him as a pure virgin bride. So you need to know that God's passion is burning inside of me for you. So Paul was talking about this, talking about this passion, passion for others, but he, you notice he didn't say my passion, he said God's passion. You see that? 
God's passion is burning inside of me. He got the, he had the heart of the Father. He had the passion that came from the Father. So I ask you in your life, do you have the passion that's from your Father, Heavenly Father? Hallelujah. That's what we want. We want to stir that up. Okay, last, Romans chapter 5. Let's look at this real quick. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read here in verse 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. I'm telling you, you have a father that loves you passionately. Whenever you feel like no one else does, you feel like, well, what's the plan for my life? I want you to know that you have a father that's very passionate about you. He cares about everything you do. He cares about everything in your life. Millions of people in the world today, but yet God has his eye on you and I. Isn't that incredible? He loves us dearly. So regardless of where your life has been, regardless of what you've done in your life, I'm telling you, God's very passionate about your life. So much so that he asked his son Jesus, will you go and be that one that draws them back to myself, that redeems mankind back to me like I created him in the very beginning? So when you put that perspective up against what we face in this world, know, like I said earlier, God loves us more than the devil hates us. Aren't you thankful for that? Let's stand our feet. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. God loves you. God has a good plan for your life. Praise God. He knows what he's doing. He's a good God. He's a good Father. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a good Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Having a thankful heart is so important. Having a heart of thanksgiving, regardless of what's... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, yes. Hallelujah. There's someone here today, and you've really been struggling. I don't know if it's in, seems like it's like in a relationship or something. And God wants you to know that's not the end. If you begin to turn your eyes to Him, then that'll begin to get larger instead of always looking at the problem that's in front of you. God has a good plan for your life. And he wants you to be encouraged today by just even being here and hearing these words has changed some things in your heart and began to give you a hope. But you've said, "What? What? I, I can't see the way out. I can't see... But I'm telling you, if you'll begin to put God first in your life, God will show you. God will begin to work some things on your behalf. God will begin to strengthen you. God will begin to energize you. 
God will begin to change that situation. Don't always be, don't be talking about how bad it is and oh, how this problem or that problem. Begin to look into the things, into God's Word and begin to see that He's a Father that loves you regardless of what's going on in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Know this, that you're not alone. You're not alone. God's there with you. He's there for you. He's there to help you. He's there to give you the strength, the encouragement to know. So no, this isn't just something passing by. This is something you can have in your life every day. That hope, that fulfillment, that love, that acceptance of who he is to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's real easy if we're not careful that we can grow unthankful. We can harden our heart against God and really against people. And we have to be very careful about that. If we find ourselves getting in that position, what do we do? We go before God and say, God, I ask you to forgive me. Renew our right spirit within me. Renew our right heart within me. And he'll do it. Regardless of what it's been in the past, what you've experienced in the past, I'm telling you, you have a Father that loves you and cares deeply for you. He's very passionate about you. Loves you as his very own because you are. I'd like to do this this morning. Every head bowed and every eyes closed, please. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you'd never ask him into your heart, I'm not talking about, about joining a church or denomination or anything like that. No, we're talking about relationship here. Not even talking about this church. We're talking about your Heavenly Father. If you're here today and you've never asked Him to come into your heart and change your heart, while every head's bowed, no, nobody's looking around, I'd like you just to be bold and say, yeah, Pastor, that's me. Just slip your hand up. Just say, that's me. I've never asked Him to be my Lord and Savior. I've never asked Him into my heart. I've, I've, I've played religion. I've played but I've never asked him to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Anyone? I'm not going to call you out or anything like that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're here today and you know things are not right in your life between you and God, just get them right. That's all you got to do. Just ask him. Say, God, forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Praise God. And then the big thing about repentance is then don't do it again. Because true repentance means to turn 180 degrees away from it. So a repentance shouldn't be something that we have to do continually. But it's something that we do, get back on track, and then take off in the right direction. Oh, you might miss it. You and I might miss it again, here or there. But it shouldn't be every day. It shouldn't be a continual thing. If we truly want to put God first in our lives, then we truly repent and say, God, forgive me. Now I'm turning away from this and heading in the right direction. Praise God. Amen. So let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so passionate towards me. Thank you 
for sharing your love with me and to me. Even when I was unlovable, you were passionately in love with me. Thank you for being that father with no strings attached. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When I've acted by the flesh, by the, my emotions, or by some other means, and have disappointed you, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to strengthen me to go forward in life, to be better, to do better, to live better, to live honestly before you. Thank you for your help, and thank you for strengthening me. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray for those that may need have a physical need in their body, sickness or something. We come against that in Jesus' name. Pains. Jesus, you bore our pains, the Bible says, in your own body on the tree. You bore those. So pain, you can't stay. We refuse to live with something that Jesus died for. And so we command every bit of that to go. We command wholeness and health in bodies here this morning that as we go our way that we make the decision <coughs> Excuse me, that we will go in wholeness. We'll go in soundness of mind in Jesus' name. Those of you that's had problems in your mind, in Jesus' name, we break the power of that. And we command soundness of mind. Father, you said you've given us a sound mind. Hallelujah. Those that have been discouraged, we bind any discouragement. You leave now. You have no place in Jesus' name. Thank you for encouraging hearts. Thank you for encouraging those. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. As we go this week, we just go in you. Lord, those that have... Financial needs, thank you for meeting those needs. You said you'd supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for those bills being paid, those needs being met. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, we give you praise. You're so good. Hallelujah, amen. It's been a joy having you with us today. We pray you've been blessed by spending the time in God's Word. Always remember, you're valuable and precious, special and important to him.